After a little bit of a hiatus, we all made the most of our Christmas holidays, whatever they are in this mad world. How we're are in you? We're in a Christmas come down now, so we're back to work. Back yeah, on it. yeah, back let's on. Hope, back um, on. Wishing everyone all the best for 2021. Let's hope it's more positive than last year. I am very well, thank you, Chris. I've got some really exciting news to tell you. Okay, what is it? So you are now looking at or listening to. One of the newest MCC members. Ah, amazing! <laughs> I finally, and when I say finally, I have been on the wait list since I was 16 years old. So it's about, it's quite a long time <laughs> to say that. So basically, I finally have been confirmed as a fully fledged member of the MCC, which means that if we we're allowed to go to any cricket this summer, Guess who's going to be walking into the pavilion? Oh, I, I'm I'm very jealous. I'm going to take my uh, take my seat at the Edrich stand and take some binoculars so I can see. <laughs> the thing is, right? It's so funny. So I I joined at the same time as my dad on the waiting list, and bless him, he's I mean, he's only sixty odd now, but he was like, the wait list is so old. I need someone to wheel me in in the wheelchair to the MCC when we finally get in. Um, <laughs> but he actually lives in Spain most of the year, so most of the summer he's in Mallorca. So it's going to be me on my own. <laughs> the pavilion trying to make some friends I'm um, sh- sitting there yeah twiddling I'm, my thumbs I'm sure you will cricket. I'm sure you will you're very good at uh, at making friends <laughs> I guess we should uh, talk about the cricket because quite a lot's happened since uh, since our interview with Ali I guess we should just jump straight into it and talk about the England Sri Lanka test series that uh, as of this time of recording has finished uh, a day early It was quite fun to watch, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And actually what I did, because it started at 4.30am UK time, as much as I love my cricket, I also love my sleep. So what I did (laughs) was I recorded it on Sky and then watched it as live at a much more manageable hour of like 9 or 10am. But it meant that I had the the, pretty much the whole day watching cricket, which is really lovely. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. There was a a lot to talk about there. And I think that well, first of all, we should talk about Joe Root, because I think that was the highlight for me. I mean, it's incredible. I came across a stat that said, and this is more about his bowling, he said uh, his bowling average is almost the same as his batting average now, so somebody sent a message into TMS saying, shall we now consider him a true all-rounder? But no, you, like his batting was out of this world, and I was so impressed, because he was always considered to be one of those slew of top flight batsmen in the mould of Kane Williamson, Virat Kohli, Steve Smith. But he was consistently getting 50s but never capitalising on it. And I think he ended up with an average of 110 or something crazy like that after those two tests. I love it. I think I think his average now in the whole of test cricket is just bordering, bordering on 50. I think it was 49 before, before this series. So he certainly converted both of those 50s to centuries and some. I love the fact that he gave himself... The, the last couple of overs on the last day because <laughs> I felt really sorry for Bess and Leach because they were both on a forfeit. Yeah. Um, they could have both got a five for each, but Joe Root <laughs> comes in and literally within a couple of overs, he's two for, for nothing. So <laughs> I found that quite funny, but no, hats off to him. He really... He really is wanting to start this this year off on a good note, and he's got a lot of work to do this year. Jonathan Agnew was saying that kind of this is the warm up 
they've won you know the past couple of tests abroad which is fantastic but they're now kind of going from the championship to the premiership they've got India they've got Australia it's just going to get harder and harder but great preparation and I think the morale in camp is going to be so high that going to India hopefully they'll continue with that although India was looking pretty strong in Australia they, they, they were game. I mean I uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, the other hero slash legend was uh, James Anderson with his spell where he got six wickets and I think his first 25 overs went for something like 19 runs it was ridiculous and everybody keeps questioning James Anderson about his fitness his age all sorts of stuff but he literally keeps seeming to get better and better and better and he particularly gets a fair bit of stick about his record in Asia but I think that that particular spell against Sri Lanka will set him in good stead for India but I don't think they can chop and change I really honestly think that they've got to put Broad and Anderson on the team together if they have any chance of beating India in India and a fun fact for you in the second test in the first innings first Sri Lankan innings all 10 wickets were taken by seam attack and in the second innings all 10 wickets were taken by spin attack I just thought that was incredible and it shows uh, the change in the pitch as well, I think, with the weather. But um, yeah. I think there's one other player that we really need to discuss before we um, talk about the opposition. Or is that Dan Lawrence obviously made his debut, and he played so well. I mean, in the first test, obviously we kept losing the openers very cheaply. It must have been very nerve wracking for him to see sort of top batsmen just you know get completely written off after a couple of overs, and how difficult the conditions were and how amazing that the the spin attack is from Sri Lanka and always has been and under you know different conditions from home and he just went in I felt like he really played positively as well he was on the front foot a lot he was looking to attack he wasn't letting it worry him and he wasn't being too defensive going into the second test his average was like what over 100 or something it was crazy it's not bad it's a good place to start your test career because it's really a baptism of fire there's nothing more alien in terms of conditions for an English batsman than Sri Lankan pitches. And I think he really set himself in good stead for the future to come. But I do want to talk a little bit about the Sri Lankan players because some of those guys really impressed me. Uh, Lassie Thembaldenia, for example, was wonderful. You know, we can't not notice that he got a 10-wicket haul against England, even though Sri Lanka lost. But I thought he was fantastic, and especially because they have such a long history of having prolific spin bowlers. You think Murali, uh, Rangana Herath. Hopefully, this is going to be it. They're going to get their their next Murali, so to speak, although that's, that's sacred ground, so we won't touch that. But one of the other ones that I really loved, and you mentioned the Australia-India series, because I think one of the big things that came across for the Australia-India series was the sledging and um, Tim Payne getting a hell of a lot of stick for it. One of my favourite things that happened in the Sri Lanka test series in general was listening to Narashan Dequela's chirp behind the stumps. It was utterly hilarious. It was it? amazing. I loved it so much. And I love the fact that you can pick up on so much on the stump mic. Yeah. And it's so funny because the commentators were picking up on it. They were saying, 
it's so funny how you know Dick Weller's talking to his teammates constantly. Obviously, as a wicketkeeper does, keeping the morale up of the team, encouraging the the bowlers, and it's all spoken in in native Sri Lankan tongue, right? Mm-hmm. But as soon as he wants to dig at the batsman, he switches to English, talking to his teammates like, "Oh, you know, this guy needs to do really well because he's recently been dropped. You know that yeah. he's not going to India." And the guy was like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah, it was announced the other day. He's not going." But he's going to India for the IPL because, you know, he likes the cash. It's, it was hilarious. I loved yeah. it. And then it was what was so funny was I was expecting Joss Butler to come back with more because Joss got quite a lot of stick from him as well. Yeah. But it was actually Johnny Bairstow that was chirping back at him the next day. And he'd obviously done his homework that night because he was saying <laughs> stuff like, oh, you know, in, you're really in need of that test century. And, and soon the real wicketkeeper will be back, you know, just in placement for him. And it was so funny. <laughs> it was brilliant. I think it was, my my highlight was when he was asking Dan Lawrence for batting tips. <laughs> I couldn't, I but you couldn't know what, that is an example of banter that you that you can receive, on, you know, on the field. And it's kind of harmless. It's digging. It is personal, but on one level. The other level was Tim Payne. Mm. He had to kind of apologise for himself because he's done that before in the past. And as a captain, you know, there's only so many boundaries you can push without getting too personal. But he went a bit too far, didn't he? I think so. There's no love lost between Virat Kohli and Tim Payne. Their history speaks for themselves. I think it was it 2016, the last time India went to Australia. There was quite a lot of argy-bargy between Payne and Kohli. But Australian cricket has been like that. I mean, we all remember the incident where I think it was James Anderson got threatened by Michael Clark that he was going to get a broken arm by Mitchell Johnson. It's tough because that transcends banter. It's not funny anymore. It's just sort of threatening. It's really personal. So I think it was Ravi Ander Ashwin that really got under Tim Payne's skin. And he was talking about, oh, well, at least, you know, people in my team like me and I don't have, you know, you don't have any friends and all this stuff. And it, and it mm. goes from banter about the sport to being quite bullish and yeah. being a bit of a bully. I think he actually got fined 15% of his match fee for, for, for that. It also kind of opened up suggestions to do with Tim Payne himself feeling very much you know, hot under the collar, being the captain, I don't think he's had the best time recently. And Justin Lang has been asked a lot in the press about, are you going to stick with Tim Payne as the captain? You know, who else is there? And Justin Lang has very much had to sort of back him, like he is the person for the job. Because if you look at it, Steve Smith is definitely out of the running in terms of just how the press reacted to him sort of scuffing up uh, the crease or whatever he did the other day. And, um, oh. <laughs> and the only other person, you know, a lot of... It's like Josh Hazelwood or Pat Cummings is the only two other only players that are consistently in that test team. And as you know, mm. like yeah. bowlers rarely get given the captaincy. Exactly. So he really had to back Tim Payne. And I feel like he probably, you know, Justin Langer inside was like, oh, why did he have to do this? It's just like highlighting an issue he doesn't want to talk about. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? But there's been a long history of bowlers just not being given the captaincy. I think the last time I remember it, where a captain was a bowler first, I think might have been Daniel Vittori for New Zealand. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head the last time there was a bowler who was a captain, and it seems like generally it's a bit, a bit verboten to do that. But as far as the other test matches that have been going on, what else have we missed since the winter? Well, speaking of New Zealand, they were recently appointed the number one test team in the world, so. Yeah. Hats off to them. That was um, that was a really great moment for for such a lovely team. Yeah, no mean feat there. And beating Pakistan and New Zealand. New Zealand, 
have gone from strength to strength. And of course, they can build the team around Kane Williamson, Trent Bolt, Tim Southey, and Neil Wagner. There's there's all kinds of talent in New Zealand. And it feels like they've been the team that almost could for such a long time that now they actually have. And it's taken me a little bit by surprise because I always expect either India or Australia you know, I, I always hope England, but it's usually India or Australia that are the best team in the world. And it's just, it's nice to see the baton shifting a little bit uh, to something, to, to New Zealand, who I think are often forgotten in terms of the major test teams. Uh, they're usually one of the also ran and not quite to the scale of, I guess, maybe Ireland or Afghanistan or Zimbabwe, where you don't see them play as much, but they've really become a force to be reckoned with and I actually think those two home tests that have just been confirmed in England are going to be very difficult especially with their bowling attack over here yeah I'm really looking forward to that and and uh, I think the first test is at Lord's so hopefully we'll be allowed in oh, yes. um, that would be so cool no they've done they've done a great job and and I think that that you're right they are yeah they've definitely become a stronger team in the years but they they do it in such a subtle way you don't realize they're creeping up on you because they're very understated in that in that respect but um but we've also got some good news with pakistan south africa traveling to pakistan which is huge for pakistan cricket definitely i was i was so pleased to see it go through and i mean what a first day i was a bit sad that nasim shah wasn't playing i haven't actually checked i don't know if he's injured or not but nasim shah for me is the the tear-away young talent for Pakistan, and I uh, don't think he was playing today. But 14 wickets in a day, that's 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 a fun day of Test Match cricket. That sounds amazing. I actually didn't get to, to watch them, but I'm going to watch the highlights later because that does sound like a fun day. But, um, yeah, speaking of injuries, obviously it was really unfortunate, just going back to Sri Lanka, that a lot of their players and, and their captain as well were, were injured for the England tour. But I, I do think that that it was their both test matches were really really amazing to watch especially that last one which could have gone either way at one stage we thought after the, i mean they put up such a good first inning score it was really hard to chase and i think we got to about what, 60 runs within 60 runs of their first inning score but if it hadn't been for our bowling attack and just going going through all of the players for sort of less than 20 um it it would have been a draw i think because it mm. was we were playing for a draw or if they'd got, gone through us, it would have been a loss. So it could have gone either way, and it was such an exciting series to watch. But um, now they're in India. Um, now they've got other players joining them in India. Yeah. It's really put up a lot of questions to do with the England batting attack because, as we know, Rory Burns was off, I think he was on paternity leave, and he is such a good opener before. I mean, it's a real shame that neither Sibley or Crawley did themselves justice in these conditions. They mm. they really didn't do very well, whereas well, they had really good... I mean, Sibley, Sibley did get a half century at the end. I thought he showed his grit at the end. So I, th- I feel like Sibley has earned earned his stripes in my mind just about, but I totally take your point about Crawley. Sorry, I uh, I, I think I've disrupted the, the train of thought here, so I apologise. No, no, that's fine. You're right. No, um, Sibley did, did come back towards the end, but like that was just... You know, one of four innings. The others, I don't think he made sort of ten or so. Mm. But no, you're right. He did. He did come into his own at the end, and and under serious pressure. So credit where credit's due. He definitely deserved that half century. He worked really, really hard for it, and to be there at the end as well with the winning runs was just great for him. But my question is now: of is Rory Burns? Does he come straight back in as the opening batsman? Because 
before it was Burns and Sibley opening. Crawley was at three, and then Joe Root was at four. Yeah, I think Dan Lawrence has done so well as well at, at five. Obviously, Ben Stokes is coming back, but do you play Burns, Crawley, Sibley? Do you do you have Bairstow in at three? I think he did pretty a really decent job in all of the innings because he came in under pressure for his place, number one, but also mm. un- the fact that all you know these wickets were falling. He was basically an opening batsman in, in both of the innings. Yeah, Really levelled it out for England and kind of just took the edge off and just got some runs on and, and really ch- just changed the na- dynamic. So I feel like he really deserves a spot. Mm. There are too many batsmen now. What do you do? Yeah, it's, it's wonderful that England are in the position where they have to find an 11 out of a potential 15 that could occupy all those spots for me yeah Sibley's definitely got to stay in the team I wouldn't want to get rid of Zach Crawley I think him especially implying his trade in Asia is going to be very important for the future of the team not only that he got a double hundred only three tests ago I don't know I feel like Dan Lawrence is going to make way and Ben Stokes will get fit in because I feel like that's going to be the top five is going to be well, yeah, I, I do think Burns is going to come back in, and I think that it'll he'll have to make way. Uh, but then, how do you fit Ben Stokes in? One of the things that I question is whether Sam Curran's going to keep his spot. It's good to have a left arm angle, and he has got good history playing for Chennai in the IPL and doing lots with his spot there. But we have to think of the bowling attack that's going to be needed over there. Like I. I wonder, I would be thrilled if Mark Wood and Joffre Archer played in the same test team on the same test match. Obviously, fitness is very depending, especially for Mark Wood. But, yeah, I, I really wouldn't want to be an England selector right now. But I, I really do think that Burns has established himself as that opener, so I feel like he will come back into the, into the side. Crawley will drop to three, Root, Stokes... Uh, well, I don't so know. So no to... Bairstow, no Lawrence. Well, I mean, uh, has Bairstow been reselected for the tour? Because he wasn't selected, was he? Well, he he hasn't been given a test contract this year, so it's an on an ad hoc basis. But he is going. He's been sent home for rest for mm-hmm. the next for the first two test matches. What's interesting is that he's then coming back, and Joss Butler is being sent home. I think for the last test match. So I don't know if, if Bairstow's not played, Ben Folks is still on the squad. No, so right. do, does Ben Folks finally get a game? Or having not had a game in Sri Lanka, surely he can't just be thrown in the deep end in India. Well, um, surely they'd go with Bairstow. So I'm, it's a bit confusing. Uh, the good thing is about having so many options is that it is working to this benefit of Chris Silverwoods doing this rotation process. And he's yeah. said in the media recently to the fans, you know, be patient. Please understand this rotation process because everyone's sort of saying, "Why would you not bring Ben Stokes and to to Sri Lanka? And why would you rest Joss Butler and Johnny Bairstow and for India? You want your best team at all times." But I think that last year has proven in this bio bubble that they have to live in. It's really, really mentally hard and draining, yeah. and you're away from your, you know, normally they're allowed their family on tour. They're not at the moment. And they have to be in the, their hotel room for like the first six or seven days before even starting training. Yeah. And I think that they're looking at how much cricket is on this year alone is huge. They're also rotating players to get some you know, practice in the Indian conditions for the T20 stuff. So obviously with the same coach, he's got both hats on at the same time. So I think it's really difficult. But the benefits of having 
the surplus amount of batsmen is that they can do this rotation process and just keep their options open. There might be injuries, there might be other factors coming up, and at least they have options here. Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to work to the advantage because you know I we have a back and forth about Josh Butler being in the test team and whether it's a swap for swap with Bairstow and Butler. This could actually be a great solution if you rotated Butler and Bairstow as the wicketkeeper. I think with Ben Folks coming in, it's difficult because Bairstow and Butler both have huge credentials as pure batsmen, not just wicketkeepers. So it's like getting two for one. I think it'd be good because I think in the same way you were talking about with Justin Langer and Tim Payne, I feel like the England management in general have talked themselves into a corner about Josh Butler. But I actually think this, it would be both good for English cricket and both good for each one of those two players to get a bit of a break. Because like you said, it's, it's hard enough for us guys being locked down. I can't imagine what it's like if you get locked down away from home and away from your family. Uh, it must be strange. Have you done? Have you done one of these quarantine things? I only ask because in my uh, in my job job, I had to do that. I had to go away in quarantine for uh, a week or so before I uh, was allowed onto the job, and it's tough. And I was in, you know, I wasn't in a luxury hotel or anything, but I was in a decent hotel. But still, you can't leave the room. It's pretty awful. No, I, d- I definitely yeah, I did one when I came back from from a little. Uh, getaway to Greece last summer and it was on it was on the list you know of quarantine list you had to stay at home for two weeks afterwards mm. and you know in a tiny little flat for two weeks in London I definitely went stir crazy it was really really difficult so yeah I, I completely I, I, I like the fact that you know Joe Root was interviewed the other day on TMS and sort of and Agus was kind of pointing at the fact that a lot of people are sort of saying it's crazy that this person hasn't been included in that and he said you know what Yes, it's important to have your best team at all times, but what's more important is maintaining that. And a lot is to do with mental health, and we need to put that um, players' welfare as important as as having our best team. Because without them being, you know, tip top mentally, you're not going to have your best team. And it's about longevity this year. We need to pace ourselves. There's a lot of cricket going on, so bear with us, type thing. And I thought that was really great. The fact that they're recognising that and and that they're looking after their players as much as they can in these conditions. So that's cool. Shall we move on to some 100 news? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are the 100 report after all. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you've forgotten. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, obviously the IPL auction's coming up, and that is a huge auction, but the 100 auction's coming back. It's not entirely clear what's going on with the team structures. There's some news around some of the teams. So I know that London Spirit have announced that they've retained Heather Knight and Owen Morgan, respectively, as the two captains. And uh, you heard uh, about Welsh Fire, didn't you? Yeah, Welsh Fire have um, retained a couple of players, including Tom Banton and Johnny Burstow. I think what's happening now is the fact that um, each team is being allowed to retain their key players mm-hmm. and then the rest I think will be, get, be getting put back into the hat as such and there's going to be another draft because a lot of the international players were only signed for a year and weren't available this summer but then their schedules have now changed as well so and some people are now injured it's it's very difficult to keep the same team and yeah. I think that what's going to happen is they're going to be allowed to retain a certain amount of people and then there's going to be another draft for the, for the spots that are left so I can't wait for that draft. We'll keep you posted when we know more because we're yeah waiting for more announcements. But we're expecting in the next couple of months the draft should. The, 
I hope it's not as confusing as last year's draft. I hope um, not, but I feel like shorter. yeah, we we did the hard yards last time by trying to understand that draft. Hopefully, because we've done all of our homework before, it'll be a bit clearer. But the best bit of news that I've heard about the hundred recently that I think could be real big deal is Sarah Taylor did an interview with BBC talking about how she might be coaxed out of retirement to come and play the hundred, which I think that would, would be, be so cool. That fabulous. would be great. Uh, she, much like Charlotte Edwards, was is a trailblazer in women's cricket. She's one of the best wicket keepers that modern cricket's seen, and I think it would be a real treat to get her in there. But, oh, I wonder which team she's going to go for. Mm. Mm, one has to wonder. <laughs> <laughs> also, Chris, working on some something extra special. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that the next time we, we're going to be speaking to you guys, I will be on another podcast. And I'm really hoping we have a very, very special guest joining us next time. Yeah. Well, as uh, as this is, I guess, our inaugural podcast of 2021, uh, we just want to say thanks for sticking with us and welcome back. Hope you have enjoyed what we're doing. And yeah, looking forward to our next uh, interview guest. If you haven't followed us already, we are on YouTube at The 100 Report. We are on Instagram at The 100 Report, on Twitter at 100 Report. And please do like, comment, subscribe, all that jazz. Send us your comments. We love hearing from you. But I guess until next time, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. (laughs) Have yourself a lovely one. Stay safe, everybody. I'll speak soon.